You're listening to Trek FM. There was a little bar in Mill Valley where all the Starfleet trainees used to go. The 602 Club. You know it. <laughs> I was there more times than I can remember. Welcome everyone to Trek FM's local watering hole. Hosts from the network and me usually, yeah, as well as the friends dropping by, and we just talk all things geeky, of course. Already ordered my drink from Ruby, so make sure you grab your chair. Uh, with me today, I'm really excited. Um, back is Andy. Andy, it's great to have you back in the 602. How's it going? It's good. I'm excited that we get to talk about the second half of Doctor Who because we got a chance to dig into the first half of Doctor Who, and that was really fun. So I feel like we're coming full circle here. It really was a great time with you and me and Norm. Norm couldn't be here this week, and uh, you know he's he's settling in at, with his hosting duties over there at Warp Five, and so it's been really busy for him. And <laughs> well, he's in our hearts. That's what yes, matters. Yes, yes, that's right. It is. Um, and uh, unfortunately, we can't do any time traveling as we'd like to to make things work out. But um, <laughs> where's the doctor when we really, need him? Exactly. Seriously, where? Why don't we have a TARDIS? Uh, cool thing, this is the first show back for the new year, so um, I'm excited because, you know, every year uh, Doctor Who has become a staple for me now, and uh, of course last year, a very big Christmas episode because it was Matt Smith's goodbye, and, uh, you know, I really wanted that one to be good, and uh, on a whole, I found it just to be a pretty disappointing episode, Um but uh, so it got me thinking just about that. You know, what are some of your favorite Christmas Doctor Who episodes? Oh, uh, definitely my favorite, favorite one is A Christmas Carol. Um, and I don't know how much of that is the episode itself, although I think it's a really fun one. Um, anytime you have space sharks, right? I'm, I'm down with space sharks. Uh, but I oh, also yeah, think yeah. it just is a, is a good example of when Moffat actually does things really well, which is come up with this like surreal idea and then actually make it work. And then having such a surreal idea, like this idea of a planet with sharks in the air and, you know, all of this extra special timey-wimey stuff, but then grounded in, in real emotion. So I really enjoy that one. But also... Uh, just in general, it's a really nostalgic one for me personally because this was uh, the first of Doctor Who Day for me and my family. Um, I was the first person in my family to really get into Doctor Who, but I was not the last. I slowly infiltrated the rest of my family um, until all of the little cousins were really obsessed with it, and finally their parents got into it. And this was the first year that we all sat down and watched the Christmas special together. And I mean, all of us. Um, and this was the last Christmas we had with my grandma. So, we, I mean, just having the entire family, like every generation, cuddled up on this huge couch my cousin has and watching Doctor Who together it was like highlight of my life to be honest it was so much fun and that's awesome a really cool way to bond with my family so since then we have continued that tradition so uh every every year now we go to my cousin's house and watch the the Christmas special all together and since I no longer live in the same town as my family it's a really nice way to to get to see them and uh, have a lot of fun with them uh, once a year. 
Yeah, I uh, I don't have any memories like that for, because for me, last year was my very first Doctor Who Christmas special to, to watch. Um, it was fun though because I, I had some friends come over. They were big Doctor Who fans, and we you know we all got together you know Christmas Eve, uh, not Christmas Eve, but Christmas Day. And, uh, that evening after we were done with, you know, hanging out with our families and stuff and, you know, just all sat around and and watched the episode and, you know, whether it was great or anything, it was, it was sad just because, uh, I had grown accustomed to Matt at that point and just seeing him go was, was hard as it is for every doctor that leaves, you know, from watching it from Chris all the way now um every time they left I was like I always just wanted them to be around more and um you know Matt had really grown into that role um I I didn't feel like they serviced him as well uh, in the in the last season that he had I just don't think they gave him the best material that they could have and uh, that was sad but um he, you know he played the role with the same amount of um just passion and ease that he did, you know, when he first came in, and so that was really fun. I, I really enjoyed just, just like you said, you get around with people that you love and, and care about, and and Doctor Who just kind of brings you together, whether the episode's great or not. It doesn't really matter because it it just is. It's now kind of part of uh, our lives, and yeah, our it helps Christmas bring tradition. Yeah, it's so much fun. So. Well, this one, just what were your first impressions for this year's Christmas special last Christmas? You know, I, I I think it was it was a pretty good it matched the tone of season eight, I think. Uh it was it was pretty melancholy. It was a little bit bleak, but there was, you know, some hope involved. But for the most part it was a, a, a kind of dark episode in spots. Um, which I think kind of matches this whole season with Capaldi is has been a lot more serious and a, a little bit, um, you know, not as uplifting as one might hope. Um, but at the same time, I kind of like that. I like that they're kind of digging deeper into the dark side of what it's like to go on these adventures and encounter these sorts of things. And then uh, bringing Danny back and having Clara actually deal with a death. Um, it's pretty rare that we get to see that. Um, most of the time these days, you know, somebody dies and then the show goes on and you never see you never see characters really processing it very well. So having a whole uh, segment of the episode dedicated to reminding us that Clara has just suffered a very significant loss that she's still really dealing with. I thought that was nice. Just in general, I think at this point, Peter Capaldi has really kind of hit his stride as the doctor, so that makes a lot of it work. I don't know how much I enjoyed uh, the aliens. thought they were a little bit silly, and a kind of the idea of, are they awake? I mean, the first three times, okay, but like by the time they've w- woken up for, what, the fifth or sixth time, I'm like, okay. At some point, they actually have to be conscious in this episode. But overall, <laughs> I liked it. I, I think it was stronger than some of the um, spe- specials we've had lately, especially. 
because some of the Christmas specials are are pretty up and down, and the last couple ha- I don't think have been very strong. I think this one was at least stronger than those. Yeah, um, you know, one of the things that uh, I, I liked about this is that it, it definitely felt better than the last two Christmas specials for sure. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, we both really enjoyed uh, Christmas Carol and think that that's probably the the pinnacle right now uh, of Christmas specials that they've done, you know, in the last, uh, you, what is it, eight years now. So what was great about th- this season, I-, I think, and this Christmas special is that, like you said, it it played into the feeling of the season while at the same time, I think, giving you a little bit of an upswing. You know, like by the end of the episode, I felt like there's a little bit more of that whimsy mm-hmm. that we had come to expect from Doctor Who, you know, especially in the Matt years. Yeah. And uh, it felt... Like, to me, though, maybe like an end of a David Tennant episode, which I thought was great. You know, I, I was glad to kind of see that vibe back and get, and, you know, Capaldi having just kind of joy as the doctor. You know, he's flying the sleigh and all of those things I thought was really great because, I, you know, at the beginning of the year, we would have never seen Capaldi's doctor do anything like that. Yeah, I mean, I don't think that there can be a season ender that is more depressing than the end of season eight. Yeah. <laughs> um, so it was nice to at least, you know, not leave that hanging. You know, they came back to that. They addressed the fact that both Claire and the Doctor had left each other dishonestly <laughs> and um, both in really low points. And they just left. I mean, I don't think I've seen an, an ending that sad for Doctor Who in a long time. Um, even when some of the tragic things have happened in seasons past, they usually give us something to hold on to by the end. But this one was really particularly harsh. Um, so I like that they at least address that and, and let them go out together on a much better note. Um, you know, the end of the episode, they're both you know, ready to go travel in time and space again and um, ready to, to tackle the world again, whereas at the end of season eight, they're both very defeated. Um, and uh, so that's a, a nice way to, to kind of... I put, I can I consider this the end of the season, to be honest. Um, so it's nice to end the season with them both in a much better place. Yeah, it, and I think one of the things that I really felt was... That whole idea of the thread of uh, this season has been kind of lying, you know, like the the way that Clara had lied to Danny for most of the season and, and lied to the doctor for a lot of the season, the way the doctor had kept her in the dark about some things, you know, all of this and just how that idea you know, when we lie to others, especially those closest to us, it really usually just creates this distance. And, you know, in the end, it's that distance usually when we need those people the most um, and how that hurts. And I thought that was really interesting that this episode really is a culmination of that in the biggest way, because by the end of the episode, it's the doctor and Clara realizing how much they need each other in their lives. Yeah, I mean... Um, as as people, you know? Yeah, lying has been a, a big theme for this season just in general. I mean, they make several instances of Clara 
saying she's a great liar, other people saying she's a great liar, and just how she falls back on lying quite often throughout the season, um, both with her relationship with Danny and then later on with the doctor. Um, And it seems to be a kind of a way to protect herself. Um, Often people say that they're lying to protect other people, but I find that to be rarely the case. Usually that's to protect themselves, and they justify it by saying they're protecting someone else. Um, And so that was... Obviously, a big strain on her and Danny's relationship throughout is her not being able to be upfront and honest with him about what she wants out of her life and what she wants out of their relationship and what she wants to do, you know, with the doctor. Um, I mean, lying about traveling with the doctor is a pretty big lie. Uh, I don't see how you're going to have a particularly strong romantic relationship if you can't be honest about how you're spending your days. I guess. So, um, I mean, yeah, just in general, lying has definitely been one of the big season uh, themes. So it's kind of interesting to have it wrapped up with them finally being honest with each other and uh, letting that take their relationship forward. Well, and (laughs) one of the coolest things about this episode, I thought, was just kind of the amalgamation of of different uh, movies that they were kind of slamming together you know uh inception meets alien Mm -hmm. meets kind of it's a wonderful life uh and to create the story which uh that part i I thought was was kind of fun especially just the whole when the doctor says you have a movie called alien yeah no wonder people keep invading you that's so racist you know (laughs) <laughs> I just thought that was really fantastic. Um, that you know, this whole idea, the things that that are, are in our psyche and our pop culture kind of really come to play in this episode. You know, like the idea of uh, Inception and and this 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 alien taking over and this whole kind of it's a wonderful life for the Doctor. And I I, I think what made this successful for me more so than some of the other episodes that they've done for Christmas is that it was riffing off of a really famous, you know, Christmas movie in the same way that, a, you know, the episode of Christmas Carol did. Mm-hmm. I um, mean, the the point of the Christmas special has always seemed to me is to take a something Christmassy, some sort of Christmas touchstone, and then add a sci-fi element to it that makes it fantastical, and then put the Doctor right in the middle of it all. I mean, in... Um, Christmas Invasion, you have, you know, the Christmas trees uh, turning into weapons and, <laughs> you know, the the scary Santas and all of this sort of thing. And then you have, obviously, a Christmas Carol based on one of our most famous Christmas stories. And then the uh, even um, the one that, oh, what's it called? The Doctor, the Widow, and the Wardrobe? Yep, yep. I mean, even that, even though it's not technically um, a Christmas story, the idea of like this snow land is it's it's just this idea of like tweaking our favorite christmas traditions and stories um and making them fantastic i guess uh so that's always good um this one i i don't know if i felt like the christmas elements worked so well i um i mean kind of shoehorning santa in there a little bit uh (laughs) 
I mean, if you think about it, there is like no reason at all for there to be any presence of Santa except for they wanted it to have a Christmas theme. Which, speaking of, how did you think uh, Nick Frost did as Santa? I would not have thought to cast Nick Frost as Santa, but they did. I've got three little words for you. My little pony. <laughs> I, I just, uh, I thought that he was really, really funny as Santa. And, and you know, I was I was listening to uh, another podcast today and they were talking about this and it brought something to mind, you know, the whole fantastical idea of Santa seems ridiculous and it plays kind of ridiculously at the beginning. You're like, what? But the way that they kind of rationalize it into the story, I felt like was smarter than I would have, you know, figured out at the beginning. You know, the the idea that um, Santa is the rational part of their brains that's trying to tell them that you you know you need to get out uh and that part and because it was christmas time in the the um the setting for you know clara and the rest of those people it it kind of made sense to have him there but you know nick frost doing just about anything is is great and him as Santa, I just thought was was hysterical. I mean, I, I, my wife and I just laughed a lot with him. And you know, with the Christmas special, that's kind of what I want to do. Um, I, I would just want it to be fun, and and I want to laugh at it. And so I appreciated all that silliness. You know, I, I'm not trying to really pick these apart and expect it to be <laughs> the you know the best grandest story. I just really kind of want it to be a fun episode, and and I thought that he really added such levity to some of the the darkness that we saw in the episode. That it was it was really great to have him there. You needed that kind of comedic person who could really play off of everybody in that way, um, and, and especially the way that Nick Frost really does with the snarkiness that he's so good at. Mm-hmm. So. I felt like he really brought it. What did you think? I, I liked him. Um, I, I The thing I liked most about it is the idea of putting the legend of Santa next to the legend of the Doctor and portraying them as equally ridiculous if you actually think about that. Um, the Doctor keeps saying, well, it's Santa. I mean, it can't be Santa. But, uh, I mean, Doctor, you go through travel through time and space in a telephone box and, you know, save people from aliens. I mean, that's just as out there as the idea of Santa. And I really liked that they kind of paralleled that idea. Um, so in that case, I, I enjoyed it. And I do agree that Nick Frost is pretty pretty much always fun to watch. So I, I just thought it was really funny because it took me a moment to figure out that it was Nick Frost. Um, they did a good job of making him look like Santa, at least. Yeah. <laughs> He's like what gave it away and there and the elves are like well maybe it's that big beard you grew in that red suit you you know decided you needed to wear today and that brought up a really interesting question for me because um you know clara says something to santa um and like the dream is going to save us and he says maybe that's the very definition of santa yeah. Uh, of a dream that's trying to save us. So, uh, you know, really kind of a metaphysical question, I think, uh, because it, it felt like it was saying something beyond the show. You know, obviously, in the show, 
yes, Santa is the person that's trying to save them. But what else, I mean, did you read into that? Because I felt like that line was meant to just kind of have the the watcher read whatever they wanted to into that. I, I like that idea because it, it kind of ties into some of the more adult ideas of, of Santa, you know. Um, I remember when I was right in the mid uh, of my childhood, you know, just after you've realized Santa isn't real, but, you know, you start to feel superior, like, Santa's not real, and all the adults will say, no, Santa is real, he's the spirit of Christmas. You know, like this kind of idea that Santa is a a cultural idea at this point that represents something, um, basically a set of Christmas ideals, Um, and then translating that into uh, an episode of Doctor Who as yeah, Santa's not physically real, but he's real, real. You know, he's a, he's a real idea that we all believe in kind of thing. Um, which I think is a pretty common way to think about Santa in a modern world as an adult. Um, I, I actually found out Santa wasn't real very young, so I felt very, very cool when all my friends were talking about Santa. And I knew, <laughs> oh, I knew how silly and young they were. I was much more mature than that. Well, I never believed in Santa. Oh, no. I always knew he wasn't real. But we still played like he was at home, and that was fun. I mean, we knew he wasn't real, and it, you know, didn't bother us, you know, but we still got presents from Santa, you know, quote, unquote. <laughs> I mean, as long like as the so, presents keep coming, right? Yeah, you know, and that was <laughs> You don't enjoyable. question the source of the presents. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> um, but, you know, what was so interesting about it was, to me, you know, because I'm I'm somebody of faith, I it, it it really resonated though with the whole idea of that, you know, we need a dream to save us, and we all have this desire and and, and knowledge in some ways that I feel like that that we do need salvation from something, you know, and we just don't always know what it is or what the savior is. And, um, you know, obviously at Christmas, there's a whole other side to Christmas than just Santa um, for a lot of people. And so I thought that was really interesting because to me, it was a it was a very sly way of, of, of maybe alluding to the fact that there's a whole nother side to, to why we celebrate Christmas than just to give each other presents and all of those kind of things without actually having to say any of that, you know. Um, and again, I, I think it, that's one of the things that made the line. It's completely just open to interpretation. And at the same time, it was like, wow, that's a really big metaphysical question to be asking in the middle of a, you know, seriously zany Doctor Who episode. So, <laughs> well, that's isn't really that cool. the definition of any good Doctor Who episode? That, asking yeah, big metaphysical yeah. questions in the middle yeah. of zany sci fi. Exactly. Um, so that's great. You know, I, I was really, really excited to to see that. Um, and, and then, of course, you have Nick Frost going, as the doctor would say, oh, it's all a bit dreamy-weamy. <laughs> <laughs> oh, gosh. So um, what did you kind of think that, you know, we had um, that, you know, you, you kind of mentioned the dream monsters beforehand and how they bring everybody together and... Uh, what did you think about some of the other aspects of of the episode, the way that it it kind of all fit together? And then specifically, 
you know, I kind of feel like that this was a way of all kind of allowing Clara to come to a place where she could leave Danny to rest. Yeah, I mean, I I definitely think that that was basically the point, the emotional heart of the episode, I should say. Um, Which is good, because she needed that. She needed that closure. She needed to move on um, while still honoring, you know, her loss. Um, And death, just in general, has been a huge theme of the season. So, as I said, I really think this Christmas special, more than some other Christmas specials, really played into all all of the things that we had gone through over the season. Um, And from the very beginning, the idea of of dying basically was a huge theme of the season. So her coming to terms with this death and grieving um, is a good emotional heart for an, for for this episode. I I definitely think that. I also one thing one element I really did enjoy was I think we got some really cool one off characters here. Um, sometimes uh, you know we get these these characters never to be seen again and they don't really make a uh, a huge impression, but. I did uh, really enjoy some of the um, characters that we saw, especially, I think her name is Shona. Um, oh, yeah. She was yeah. great. She was, uh, I mean, she really she started out that, that epic dance sequence. Um, yes, and just her, with the fantastic bad British Christmas music. Yes, awesome. just really, just really um, an enjoyable character. And um, I, I actually would have liked to see more of her. Um I don't know. I just really, I thought she was really fun to watch, but she also had a lot of heart, I guess. Um, and it w- wouldn't it, she make a great companion? <laughs> yeah, don't, absolutely. I mean, don't you think that? I I feel like that kind of character with the Doctor is someone we haven't seen before. I just I, I'd love to see that kind of the timing she had and everything was so funny with Capaldi's doctor. Yeah, she really worked well with him. And then when she sits down and like is quizzing Santa, she's like, but how this and how that and writing it all down and thinking of all the questions to ask. I just I just thought she was a really fun character. And, and just in general, I think some of these other ones were good too. Um, but she really stood out for me as as an, an uh, definite high point of the episode this was i think um just a a a very solid episode of of doctor who um and you know it's just full of great lines like the doctor saying you know you know what i hate about the obvious missing it (laughs) uh and and just things like that I, i i thought this is where um moffat really shines as he understands i think in a lot of ways how to write comedy yeah and at the same time, I, I think he did get right the relationship between Clara and Danny and then the doctor there and finding a way to really um, redeem that relationship between the doctor and Clara because it had been kind of broken. And, you know, especially by the end of the episode, um, I really liked that they did the whole, you know, kind of it's a wonderful life thing and that the whole Santa angle had more to it than just kind of the zaniness that it felt like they were there was something more going on with all of this like almost as if the universe was saying it's a wonderful life doctor you know um 
it, it you you need to you need to remember what's what's great and not miss it uh, in life in the same way that you know George Bailey is missing it and he has to be reminded and that whole scene where you know he comes back and Claire is old and he can't tell the difference um, but they realize how much they miss each other and then of course Santa shows up and says how much do you miss it doctor you know I, I just I really liked that because it brought again the heart of this whole thing which has been I think really galvanizing the relationship between the doctor and Clara and at the same time bringing home the the theme of this season which I think has been let's make Clara a real person <laughs> and not just a prop well, they definitely did a much better job with her than they have in previous seasons. Yeah, I, I feel like I actually enjoy watching Clara now. You know, whereas you know, season seven, it was just like I don't enjoy this at all. She's she's kind of like cardboard, and it's it's not even an exciting mystery, really. Well, one um, of the one of the most important things that they did is they gave her real definable flaws um yeah yeah for instance we talked about how she's a she's a liar <laughs> i mean that's just <laughs> can't deny that um and then just kind of her way of avoiding her problems um i don't know it just makes a character much more relatable when you see their flaws nobody likes a perfect character and they're boring um, and before she was very much like if they gave her flaws, they were these tiny little flaws that were actually intended to make her seem cuter rather than, you know, actually a flawed human being, which is what we want. Um, we want people to feel real and real people have flaws. So that was a very important thing that they did that made her immediately much more relatable and interesting is, you know, she messes up <laughs> constantly, to be honest. And uh, that makes her a much stronger character just in general. I really think what Moffat did is that he looked back at kind of what had made Rose a successful character. It was the way that she was trying to juggle her life with, you know, Mickey and her mom with the doctor and how it wasn't very successful in that. And they kind of did the same thing with, um, you know, Clara and Danny except you know Danny wasn't somebody who wanted to be traveling with the doctor at all you know he 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 wasn't into that this the same way that like Mickey and you know uh, Rosa's mom kind of got into that whole thing and so I thought that was a really interesting way of of again they just made her a more grounded real human character well they gave her a life before I don't even feel like we had a sense that she had a life outside of running around with the doctor. I mean, yep. I mean, I'm yeah. sure that I know that they did allude to like jobs that she had and stuff like that, but really she felt like she appeared in the TARDIS and then they went on adventures and she was whoever she needed to be for that episode and then oh, she was back the next time. Whereas this time the whole season goes back and forth between her life and her traveling, which yeah. I mean, that's a huge difference from seasons past. Definitely. Well, kind of going off of that, you know, we've we've finished, you know, season eight. And I think um, when we had recorded, we had probably gotten to, you know, maybe kill the moon. We or, got to Mummy on the Orient Express. 
Mm-hmm. So we, you know, we have seen the end of the season now. So on a whole, you know, just what did you end up thinking now that we finished the entire season, Christmas special and all, uh, Capaldi as the Doctor, I think that was a big question mark for a lot of Doctor Who fans coming in. Um, I think we all had faith that he could do it. What did you, what do you think now that we're done with this season? And we know that he's coming back for season nine. I'm on board with Capaldi. I think they stumbled a bit when they were trying to make him to be a little more harsh than the previous doctors. And occasionally they did kind of walk that line and fall off it a couple times with making him too mean or too unfeeling. Um, But by the end, I finally felt like they had found that perfect mix of kind of brusque but still caring. Um, And I, 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 I... do love him as an actor just in general I've always loved Peter Capaldi I think he's amazing he's a legendary actor in uh, British everything for a reason so I, I never doubted that he had the acting chops and he certainly didn't disappoint um, as for the season as a whole I definitely liked the last couple episodes a lot more than I liked most of the beginning of the season um, I thought they ended strong I don't know. I, It's really up or down for me this season. Um, there are a handful of episodes that I barely remember, that I would have to re-watch to really remember. Um, there wasn't one episode that really stood out to me as, oh my goodness, I have to watch that episode again right now. Um, and I've had that in almost every other season. There's that just been one episode that I finished it and was like, I loved that episode so much I want, I want to rewatch it. And there wasn't one of those episodes. But overall, it was a much stronger season than last season was. Um, so that's a big improvement. And I did enjoy the, the last couple episodes much more. So I, I think that's optimistic going forward. Yeah, you know, it's funny because... My wife had been catching up with Doctor Who, and we had gotten her to season eight, but we hadn't actually finished season eight, and that's why we didn't end up watching the Christmas special together at Christmas time because she hadn't gotten there yet. We had gotten to the time heist, and uh, we hadn't watched that yet. So we, you know, we'd seen the first of the season, and it was great because uh, last week um, during the holidays again we watched through the rest of the season together and then we got to watch the Christmas special and what was great is that I really found the season to be much stronger on my rewatch than I did um, the first time I saw it and I think part of that is that you know in, in fan culture we always come into something this big that we love with such high expectations and specific expectations in our own mind of what we really want to see. And I think Doctor Who really suffers from that because there's so many fans who have been watching it for so long and they have, you know, all of these ideas in their mind of what Doctor Who should be and what it, you know, what it should look like. And uh, that can be really difficult when, you know, you watch an episode and it doesn't live up. And so for me, knowing what was coming then in the episodes... Um, was was great because I could just kind of sit back and enjoy them for what they were, not what you wanted them to be. Of, yeah, just <laughs> sitting on the edge of my chair, like, oh, is this going to be a good one? You know. Um, instead, I already knew it was coming, and then I could just sit back and enjoy all the jokes or anything like that. So, um, some of the real highlights, I, I I didn't really enjoy the season opener 
Um, but I really enjoyed Listen. Um, I thought uh, that was a fantastic episode, especially with the background for the doctor that we got, you know, seeing him in the barn, the same barn that we would see in the 50th anniversary, I thought was really spectacular. I really thought the robot of Sherwood was hysterical <laughs> and very funny. I mean, it's a stupid episode, but I just I just really enjoyed that. Uh, Clara, I thought, really came into her own there. Uh, Kill the Moon, I thought, was pretty strong. I really enjoyed Mummy on the Orient Express a lot because, again, they really dove into what it means to be the Doctor. And then, of course, the very next episode was the Flatline episode where Clara is the Doctor, basically, the whole episode. And I thought that was a really strong episode. And then, actually, for me, you know, Dark Water and Death in Heaven you know return of the master and she's a female master i thought all that was great i love seeing kate lethridge stewart back you know i i think she's fantastic i think they should bring her back more but that season finale kind of fell flat for me i just was like it's okay it's not my strongest but on a whole as a season like you said it's definitely way stronger than season seven I think at the end of the season with the Christmas episode, they had a very nice through line of we are going to make the uh, character of Clara a real person. And at the same time, we are going to have this doctor who's lived for 2000 years now really come to understand who he is again. And uh, it was nice to see that kind of play out in the end um and so I, I thought that was really great i i think that uh you know it, if any doctor who fan out there is kind of on the fence about season eight or you know you maybe only saw the episodes once I, i'd say go back rewatch the whole season again because i think you might be surprised at uh some of the strengths you might have missed beforehand and that that's definitely not to take away from the fact that i don't think that you know some of those episodes you know, they, they still even if you rewatch them they're not that great did you see this Andy though that um, Doctor Who had its highest rated season ever I mean I guess I'm not surprised by that it has been growing in popularity basically worldwide for several years now I feel like it has been going up for a long time and it's nice to see that kind of culminate um, even the most normal of normal people in America now have at least some sense of Doctor Who, um, I was at dinner tonight and somebody made a TARDIS joke, and and half the <laughs> half the half it's the awesome. table laughed. I mean, even two years ago, that would never have happened. Um, so I definitely think it's at, especially in America, really reaching a, a more broad audience than you know the kind of niche, kind of cult status that it had before. Um, really, in the last couple of years, especially since Matt Smith came on. So that's kind of pleasant to see. Um, Just in general, I do agree very much that this was a much more consistent season with a much more clear understanding of what they're trying to say. I feel like the biggest problem with season seven was it was so fragmented and you couldn't even really understand, like, what is the the arc of this season? What are we saying? Um, and it just definitely felt like a mixture of episodes rather than a season, if that makes sense. And season eight had a very clear picture of what they were trying to say, I think. Um, basically, they were trying to answer the question of whether or not the Doctor is a good person. 
um, which he finally decides for himself at the end. <laughs> you know, he's an idiot. <laughs> yes, with exactly. a box, a blue box. <laughs> exactly. Um, and I, I like that. I like that the fact that they. I mean, they've kind of touched on this a handful of times, but this was the first season in which they basically went into the season going, let's examine the doctor as a person, and is he a good person? Or maybe he's not. Maybe he's a bad person. I mean, sometimes he's ruthless, and sometimes he makes decisions that are are totally alien to us as humans, and especially this doctor definitely plays that ruthless side a lot more than other doctors have. So it was a good theme and one that I think needed to be addressed because there are some atrocities that he has experienced um, and perpetuated and been a part of. And, I mean, a guy who's lived for that long is definitely going to have some dark spots and we need to examine them. Um, And, you know, they kind of line that up with Danny Pink as being a soldier with this huge regret that he has. And is Danny Pink a good person even though he has done a terrible thing? Or maybe more terrible things? So I really liked that as a theme, and I definitely think that they went after that with a much more clear focus than they have had in seasons past. And I'm glad, I'm very glad that they managed to get that back on track at least. Yeah, I'm with you. I, I feel like that really did happen. Any... Any final thoughts on, on maybe what you'd hope to see in Season 9? Uh, especially, would you like to see the Master return? Or? Uh, I We didn't get a chance to talk very much about the Mistress. Um, but I think it's amazing uh, that they decided to make her the Mistress. Um, it kind of It's kind of a, a nod to, uh, you know, when they were deciding who the new Doctor was going to be, there was a lot of people that were like, can we finally have a woman Doctor? And I remember all of these fanboys on the internet were like, no, I mean, that's not even possible. And I'm like, not only is it possible, they make it very explicitly stated that it's possible. And then now we have a Time Lord that switched genders very easily. It's kind of like, okay, we didn't give you a female doctor, but here, here's a female master. Um, And then also having her friendship with the doctor being kind of like the way that he finds his way back to who he is i think that's a really cool idea um like this person who has known him for so long longer than anybody else right when he's having this crisis of identity am i a good man um and then having his oldest friend and one of his biggest enemies come back and help him clarify that i think that's a really cool idea and also michelle gomez's Amazing, and I love her. Uh, as w- soon as I saw that she was cast, I don't know that very many people in America know of this show, but she was one of my favorite uh, actresses ever in a show called Green Wing, which is a really super surreal British comedy. Um, it's kind of like Scrubs, if Scrubs was incredibly <laughs> foul and um, bonkers. And uh, she was one of the most bonkers characters on that, and she was brilliant. So I was really, I was really happy both with her performance and with the whole idea of the master coming back and and changing it around like that. So I would love to see her back. I would love that. Um, and I think that she was really interesting and really arch and kind of a fun villain, and I really liked it. 
I would like to see that. I would like to see more of Capaldi finding his humanity, basically. I would like to see that theme continue. Um, do we know if uh, Jenna Louise Coleman is coming back for the full season, or is she just doing a couple episodes, or has that been confirmed? Uh, as far as we know, uh, Clara is back for the season, so okay. um, which I think is is great, especially since you know who knows if um, you know Capaldi would be back for third season. So I I would much rather see you know those two leave together. I think at this point because I don't know. I feel like that's his companion, yeah, and it fits very well with him. It'll be hard for him to. I don't know. It would be it's it's always hard when the the doctor has to find a new companion. Um and to me nobody was better than Rose with David and I didn't think anybody was better with Matt than obviously uh Amy and and Rory. And with Capaldi, I feel like Clara is is such a great um foil for him as a doctor. So I'll be interested to really see you know, obviously what plays out with a season 10 and and where they go with that is, you know, if, if Capaldi's back and Jenna decides that she doesn't want to stay, um, where they'll go and, and who they bring in. Uh, Shona, bring her back. <laughs> that would be fantastic. Um, she and, can dance. Hey, well, and we've seen that before, uh, you and know, she can a dance female and, character. And uh, we can have a whole new episode of The Doctor Dancing. Yes, there we go. That, oh, just, what a great dance. So, <laughs> Oh, man. Uh, but, yeah, I'd like to see the master back. I felt like it, that the idea of bringing the, the master and making it the mistress and all of that was really fantastic. Um, the actual, again, the execution of that whole, you know, two-episode arc wasn't my complete favorite, but... Um, I, I liked the elements of it there, and I, I thought that was great. And I would really like to see that play out more now, especially with the hunt for Gallifrey kind of being in the background always. Uh, so I, I think those two things are, are things that really play in and make for a very epic season, season uh, or as the British say, Series 9 Doctor Who. So... Man, it has been so much fun talking about Doctor Who, the Christmas special, and what's coming next. But it's not the only thing that we've been talking about on Track FM this past week. So here's a quick look at some of the other things you may have missed elsewhere on the network. Previously on Trek.fm, Standard Orbit. Because it's, it's actually legitimately trying to say something. Yes, very Star Trek. It may be the most Star Trek of all. Star Trek. Yeah, it's definitely what I would point to as being, this is what science fiction is about. Earl Grey. Kovac will tell us to experience Bige sometimes, in which case we will draw the Bige card, Klingon word for pain. So it is it is. It is. It's, it's going to be a lot of fun. To the journey! That's the one thing we could take from Homecoming is like paragraph one, Chakotay and Seven break up. That's for real. Yeah, they that shake happened. hands and go, hey, it's been fun. It's been nice. Thanks for the picnic. Eh, see ya. Commentary, Trek stars. Fair At this enough. point, like, they could say, yeah, why not? Star Wars crossover. I would I would essentially say, fine. Both franchises are dead. Let's just sew them together and see what happens. Melodic Treks. 
one of the most well thought out alien races that you only see in one episode. Yeah, and the music is, is it's menacing without being over menacing, if that makes yeah. sense. Axonar, the official podcast. I think Justin Lin is a, is a fascinating choice to direct because the Fast and the Furious movies, even though, yeah, they're action, adventure, road race movies, are really about a family. The 602 Club. That's really cool, though. I mean, I, I think that is uh, a fantastic way to get to see just about any movie is, is kind of being able to watch it through a kid's eyes. And that's what else is happening on Trek.fm. So check out these shows and find out what we've been talking about in your favorite corner of the Star Trek universe and beyond. You'll find us wherever you get your podcasts. Of course, if you're an Apple user, be sure to hit that subscribe button. That really helps us out greatly and it makes it easier for the other listeners to find us when they search in iTunes for shows. Also, you can give us a great star rating and review like JM Scut 11 did. He gave us a five-star review, so I really want to say thank you to him. Fantastic written review as well. I really appreciate that because that also helps other listeners be able to find us uh, as they search in iTunes. Of course, guys, if you're not an Apple user, we've got you covered as well. You can find our shows on Stitcher, TuneIn, Spreaker, SoundCloud, Windows Phone, and of course, you can stream and download the MP3 from our website and grab the RSS link as well. Andy, I love having you on the show. It was so much fun to have you back talking about Doctor Who. Tell everybody where they can find you online. Oh, well, the easiest way is on Twitter. Uh, uh, my Twitter handle is at FirstTimeTrek, where I am live tweeting my first time through um, Star Trek, and I am still stuck on season two of the original <laughs> series, where I've been for months at this point. Um, but I am hoping to do a good load of tweeting soon, so uh, that's the best way to find me. I'm also at um, on Tumblr under the same name, First Time Truck, uh, where you can see uh, the beginnings of my archive project, where I'm trying to kind of put all my tweets in one place so you can, if you've missed any of your favorite episodes, you can go back and take a look at uh, my first time Trek reactions to them. That's awesome. Well, thank you so much for for being here today. No problem. It's always fun to, to come on the show. Another way you can help us keep all of our shows coming to each week is become a patron of the network on Patreon. If you visit patreon.com slash trekfm, that's p-a-t-r-e-o-n dot com slash trekfm, you can find our current milestone contribution levels along with all the great perks that we have for you. These perks include early access to content, exclusive content, producer credit, seats on our content development team, and more. Guys, we really appreciate any support that you can give us because without you, we can't make this happen. And we hope you'll join the team. Again, you'll find all the details at patreon.com. I really want to say a special thanks to our associate producer, Norman C. Lau, and his support of the network and the 602 Club. His Twitter account is at Norman Lau. He's a big supporter of the Star Trek Axonar project and can be found on their official Facebook page as well as the Babel Conference. And last but not least, he's a huge supporter of our network on Patreon. And of course, he's now the host of Warp 5. If you'd like to contact us, you can do that at trek.fm slash contact. Just choose a show, write out something, and that'll come directly to us. You can leave us a voicemail. Just look in the sidebar on the show page or go to speakpipe.com slash trek.fm. We're on Twitter at trek.fm. 
Facebook at facebook.com slash trekfm. And of course, we have the Babel Conference. That's our listeners-only discussion group there on Facebook. Just type the Babel Conference in the search field on Facebook or just go to our website at trek.fm and click discussion on the menu bar. Before we go, I'd like to ask everyone to please support our sponsor who helps bring the 602 Club and all of our shows to you each week. And our sponsor for the show is audible.com. Audible is a great way for you to read all those books that you've always wanted to. But of course, with our busy schedules these days, it's just so hard to get in. And as a Trek FM listener, you can get a free audiobook of your choice with a 30-day trial just to see how great Audible is. Just go to audibletrial.com slash trekfm and sign up today. Again, that's audibletrial.com slash trekfm. And we thank Audible for their support of the 602 Club and the network. And of course, guys, you can find me at MattRushing02 on Twitter. You can also find me doing Literary Treks with Dan, where we talk about the books and comics of Star Trek. You can also find me doing The Orb with Christopher Jones, where we talk about Deep Space Nine all the time. And then I do have my own personal blog at 42lifeinbetween.wordpress.com. Well, y'all, thanks so much for joining us, and y'all come back now, you hear?